Thank you for supporting Overcomers Christian Center. From wherever you're listening, we hope that today's message leaves you feeling empowered and equipped. A minister in its simplest term term is a servant of God. A servant of God. In fact, I want to even take it a little bit further. A minister is a servant of Jesus. A servant of Jesus. Many times a minister will work for and through the people. And that's important to understand because we don't go up to heaven to serve God. We are here on the earth serving God, uh, serving God through people. And that's important to know. You're going to serve people if you're going to be a minister of God. And minister does not mean you are always in a pulpit because we're going to be studying about Gideon. And I don't even read his pulpit, his way of doing things was something totally different than it was for anybody else. You don't see uh, getting and ministering uh, from the book of whatever, or reading, or writing a Bible or anything like that. But in my opinion, Gideon was a servant of God. He was a servant of God. Now, let's go with Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13. I want to kind of uh, give you this little bit more about what I believe truly will help us all to basically understand our duty when it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ. The, the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 12, and verse 13. When this was written, it was written, so in turn, individuals who ministered the gospel, because Solomon had a question, he wanted to ask the Lord, he was trying to figure out what is the purpose, why was he here on the earth, and he, and he came to a conclusion in the latter part of Ecclesiastes 12 and 13. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. So you, when Solomon began to think about what's my duty in life, what am I supposed to be doing, what am I not supposed to be doing, he came to the conclusion of I need to fear God and keep his commandments. And this is also true for us as Christians. We need to fear God and keep his commandments. Every believer needs to fear God and keep his commandments. When we fear God, we're honoring God, we're respecting God, and we have a godly fear. And one thing that definition that I remember reading several times, and I just, just kind of summed it in godly fear, sometimes you're going to be a little bit scared of God. I, and I ain't got no problem with being scared. God can, God can do some stuff on the earth and it have me shaking in my boots, so to speak. Because thunder can come across there and it have me shaking in my be, uh, boots. I know some of you probably heard the report yesterday when these individuals were hit by lightning. Listen, I fear God. I fear God. I would not, listen, I know lightning real. I've watched lightning over the years. I know I wouldn't go, well, that's a different story. But anyway, they were just in the wrong, wrong place, got hit by lightning. One thing about lightning, you ain't dodging lightning. I promise you that. You are not dodging lightning no matter how fast you think you are. But it's godly fear. And we're going to keep his commandments. We're going to keep his word. We're going to watch it. We're going to observe it. And we're going to guard it. When you have an opportunity to get the word of God, you're going to observe it. You're going to uh, guard it. You're going to watch out for it. And, and as we receive God, as we, as we reference God, I should say, he will positively change how we think, how we talk, and how we act. He's going to cause us to become different in how we think. He's going to cause us to become different in how we talk and how we act. We're going to be in a position that we're going to be changed to be more like Jesus. We begin, then we begin to see situations, people, relationships, etc., from the word of God's perspective and excuse me, and not our past experience. We're going to see things from God's way of doing things. We're going to see God's way of thinking about a certain situation and circumstance. How does God feel about giving? He shall, he tells us in the word. How does God feel about the world? God so loved the world. How does God feel about certain things in life? God is a respecter of those who do, who love him and respect him. So we see this in scripture that God the whole duty, Solomon found out that the conclusion of the matter was we need to fear God and keep his commandment. That's why John 1 and 1, let's go to John 1 and 1. 
is so significant because it assures us that we have God's word, we have him. When we have God's word, we have him. So let's go over to John chapter 1 and verse 1. Let's see why he says this in John chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So in the beginning was the word. The word was God, and the word, excuse me, the word was with God, and the word was God. So we see here that God is his word. In my opinion, when we neglect his word, we might miss the promises, his protection, and his peace that comes as a result of keeping his commandments. Remember uh, in it? In Ecclesiastes 12 and 13, the conclusion of the whole matter was fear God and keep his commandments. So when we miss God, we might, we neglect, we neglect the promises of God. We neglect the protection of God. We, 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 uh, we neglect the peace of God. And neglect again is to fail to care for properly, uncared for. In other words, the word is coming into our life, but we don't take heed to it, and then we don't put that word into action. And I truly believe as, not only as Christians, but as ministers, we need to make sure we take heed to the word of God. And a Christmas minister's primary focus should be to serve the Lord Jesus Christ through serving others. A Christian minister's primary focus is to be, should be able to serve the Lord through serving others. Our care of interest. We need to pay attention to how we serve others. And we need to do it in a manner that's pleasing to God. Not only that, we need to do it with the right attitude as well. We have to be careful about our attitude when it comes to serving God. We just can't serve anybody any type of way and think that God is going to be pleased with it. I know you've been in, you have lived long enough that you have had bad customer service before. You've had bad customer service with a nasty attitude. And boy, you, and then they want you to leave them a tip. Woo, pray my strength on the Lord. So you have to learn. You got to do it with the right attitude and the right way. And, and, and most importantly, when it comes to serving God, you got to have the right attitude and you got to do it the right way. Got to do it right attitude. He or she must strive to be a leader when it comes to praying for the sick, reaching others with the gospel of Jesus Christ, and being a godly example of a mature Christian. We as Christian ministers, we as lay people, we as individuals who are born again, who want to fear God and keep his commandments, according to Ecclesiastes 12 and 13, we've got to be a godly leader. A leader is a person of influence, a person who is aware and decisive. You got to make decisions when you're a leader, but they need to be godly decisions, not being led by your own flesh or emotions, but it must be concerning the will of God. And we got to be examples. We got to what? Examples of praying for the sick. Examples of sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Examples of being a godly example of a mature Christian. We got to be those type of individuals. And this is one we, we this is why we study today the book of Judges chapter 6 and verse 11. Let's go over to Judges chapter 6 and verse 11. Very, I know me, you probably know the story. To me, it's really one of the fascinating ones in scripture. And it really helps us today to learn how uh, God does things. And, and let me say this to you. Gideon is what we consider the fifth judge of Israel. Now, why is he the fifth judge? And why is he in the book of Judges? Real briefly, Judges was written because the children of Israel rebelled against God. And each time they had a leader that would come in. See, what happened was, let me, let me go back a little bit more. Each time the children of Israel would, would, uh, God would deliver them, they would get delivered, they would start doing right, and all of a sudden they get caught up in their flesh and their emotions. They start doing things a carnal way, in a, in an ungodly manner. And when they did that, God just, He took His hand back. He took His hand back. And when He took His hand back, He allowed another group of individuals to come in and take over uh, or excuse me, to put the children of Israel in some type of bondage. So this, he, God had went through, and this is the fifth time that he has come and did what he did for the children of Israel. That means he has had judges before, and actually going to have judges after, that came in and helped the children of Israel because they had gotten 
listen, got beside themselves. God will deliver them. He got them out of bondage. He will bring them out. And as soon as they got, as soon as they got the pressure off of them, soon as they start thinking and talking and acting in a different matter, they decided I'm going to go back and do what I want to do again. So when God delivered them from drinking, they said, and, and this is, no, let me say this to you. The children of Israel are no different from today's people today. They say, God, if you get me out of this, I won't do that again. Woo-hoo-wee. And you know how it is. People that say that are chances are the same ones. As soon as God give them out, get them out, and to get the pressure off of them, they go and do it again. They go back to the same thing where they said they were not going to do. And this is what the children of Israel find themselves in. Well, the children of Israel had rebelled against God. In fact, we're going to talk about here in a few minutes. They had did evil in the sight of God. And so God said, okay, you're going to do evil? I'm going to let the Midianites come and rule over you. And what's interesting about it, they don't repent immediately after the Midianites come and rule over them. It takes some time for them to repent. And this is the way it is sometimes. When the enemy comes into our life, it takes some of us time to repent when the enemy comes. Because at first, we're going to say, what are they going to do? Is it going to be as bad as what I thought it was? And when they find out it is as bad and even worse than what they thought it was, then they cried to God, God, help me! God, don't get me out of this trouble right here. I don't want to go back to jail again. I don't want to go back to a bad relationship. I don't want to go back to this thing that that you got me out of time and time again. I don't want to go back to that. I don't want to go back. I don't want to go back, God. Why am I in this bad situation again, God? I said I'd never do it again, but here I am in that same situation again. And the children of Israel had gotten themselves in that same situation again. But this time, again, they repented. God help me! Get me out of this thing again. And, and, and you know what? I can't get mad at the children of Israel because I have been the same. I have did the same exact thing the children of Israel did. God get me out. God got me out. Look, look I, don't need, I don't need to get the consequences of what I just did. And sure enough, God will get you out. And then once the pressure get back off, whew, go back and do the same thing God delivered me from. Well, I can imagine uh, the number of people say, God, if you get me out of this, I, I would never go back to jail again. I do prison ministry. I see them. And, and to be honest with you, it's some of the same ones that keep going back to that same cycle again. And, that's, and they'll come to Bible study years ago. And they say, you know what, Pastor, when I get out, I'm going to come see you at church. And you know what? I ain't seen him at church yet. And soon enough, and, and someone will testify to the fact. Now, some of them get out and stay out. Not everybody's the same way. But some of them, when they get out and, and, they, and, and God get them out, because, you know, because sometimes it looks like they're never getting out of jail. They say, you know what? I never get out of this. I never get out of jail. My, my court case will never cover. And you pray with them that God will give them a speedy court, court case. And Father, I always pray that God's will be done. But you know, they're praying to get out. And the Lord allowed them to get out, and it ain't for six months, two years later, they wrapped back in it again. And what's interesting about it, they probably got away with it a few times before they got caught. They got away with it a few times before they got caught. But now, they got back in again. So the, the children of Israel, they got back into trouble again. But now they have repented. And so now... God is going to send Gideon as a judge to rescue them. He's going to send Gideon. And Gideon's name means a hewer. A hewer is a person, because I didn't know what a hewer was, so let me be honest with you. I had to look it up. So a hewer is a person who cuts stone, wood, or other materials. A person who cuts stone, wood, or other material. Gideon was also the youngest son of Joash. And again, he is the fifth judge of the of the fifth the fifth judge of Israel. At this particular time, Gideon is called to minister at the time that God's people needed him the most. They 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 were required him, and he was essential for him at this time. God was going to use a man named Gideon. So in Judges chapter 6 and verse 11, it reads as follows. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terrible tree, which is at Oprah, which belonged to Joash the Abirite, while his son Gideon 
thresh wheat in the wine press in order to hide it from the Midianites. Now, the Midianites had these boys on lockdown. Lockdown. They had them on lockdown so much that they would actually get food and hide it from the Midianites. They could not, in fact, he could not even eat his food in peace. Well, you know, you're in torment. We can't even eat your food in peace. You can't even, listen, you can't even enjoy a good steak in peace. You can't even enjoy a good piece of chicken in peace. You can't even have a good old piece of pie in peace. You can't even enjoy your food in peace. And so now Gideon is hiding the food. His dad is watching. Now, I want you to notice in this particular verse 11, there is an angel that comes up to his father. And now they are talking about, about Gideon. And the angels of the Lord said in verse 12, appeared to him and said, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. This is the man that is in torment. This is the man that is hiding food. And the angel comes to him and he he says, The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. Now, let me say this to you. How did the people get in this mess before we get into the Lord being with them? God's people have made a decision to do evil in the sight of the Lord. We talked about that earlier, but go, let me show it to you in scripture. In, in Judges chapter 6, verse 1. So the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years. So how did they get in this mess? They decided to do evil. They made up in their mind they're going to be bad, they're going to be wicked. And wicked is another word for twisted, and they were going to do ungodly. They were going to do evil in the sight of the Lord. Now, a good minister will help remind us about how the Lord continues to deliver, protect, and bring prosperity when we repent of the ways that the children of Israel did in this particular verse. In Judges chapter 6, verse 6. See, in Judges 6 and 6, so the children of Israel were greatly impoverished because of it of the Midianites, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. That's the sign that they repented. God, help me. Help me, Jesus. Boy, you ever been on the side of the road? God, help me, Jesus. Monday, a little bit in short, Lord, help me, Jesus. Listen, life will put you to the test where you have to get help from somewhere. You will get, you're gonna need help from somewhere. You're gonna need help from somewhere. And the children of Israel had enough sense to call on God. Thank God that they did, boy. And now they got, then the angel appeared, and that angel's talking to Gideon. And he's actually talking to Gideon about the children of Israel. He's actually talking to, uh, Gideon about the children of Israel. And let me say this to you. I'm gonna put this out here. In my opinion, based on the fact that a minister is a servant of God, Gideon is a minister of God because he's serving God. Gideon is a servant of God, or in this case, a minister. We don't call him Minister Gideon, but he is a servant of God. So now we see in the text here, the angel appeared to Gideon and made a declaration to him that the Lord is with you. He's with you. That the Lord being with him represents the presence of God in his life. We need to be aware that the presence of the Lord is with us regardless of if we feel him or not. You got to know God's with you even if you don't feel him or not. If you don't feel no goosebumps going down your back of your leg, you still got to know God is with you. If, if you don't feel no wind blowing into your hair, you still got to know God is with you. If you don't feel anything, you still got to know by faith that God is with you. When you ride up and down the road, going up, up, down, whatever road you go on, you got to know God is with you. When you're shopping, you got to know God is with you. You got to know where, at, when you're at school, God is with us. He's with us. Never leave us nor forsake us. But let me say this to you. You don't always going to feel wonderful when God is with you. When Jesus went to the cross before he got to the point where he says, Father, you uh um uh, talking about the Lord has forsaken him because of the sin. Remember, when we get beat with a cat of nine tails, God was still with him. 
when he was getting beat with the cat and nine tails, God was still with him. When he, they put the nail on his hand, in his hand, he, God was still with him. When he was before the judge, God was still with him. Do you know that God can be with you and stuff don't always have to go right? Woo-hoo-wee. Boy, that's good news right there. That means that if, if, even if it don't go right, to know God is with me, it's still going to work together for my good. Oh, because I love God and called according to his purpose. So the angel proclaimed to him that he was a mighty man of valor. He was mighty. He was strong. He was brave. And this is what you need to know. He was hiding his food from the Midianites. He wasn't acting like he was strong. He wasn't acting like he was brave. But the Bible says that the angel said, I want you to notice because this is a key point you need to get in this text. The angel said it at first. In a, in a minute, it's going to change in just a few minutes. But I want you to notice the angel said he was a mighty, a strong, and a brave man of valor. Ability, wealth, might force and efficiency he was a mighty man of valor now what's interesting about it he wasn't acting like a mighty man of valor he was acting like a mighty man of valor this is what you need to know the lord knew that Gideon had the potential to accomplish more than he had done just like the lord knows that we have so much potential in us as well the Lord knows you got some potential in you. God knows you got things going on in your life right now. God knows that you can do more than you probably think you can do right now. Isn't it amazing that God can take somebody like us and do great things through us? I'm going to give you just a quick natural example. This year, through the back-to-school uh, drive, over 400 students were ministered to through that back-to-school drive. And God used people just like you in order to get it done. Do you know that, listen, that had to be a supernatural act of God. That had to be something where the presence of God had to be with us. And you know what's kind of interesting about it? It was, to me, even though it rained, it was still a peaceful thing that went on. I mean, people might got upset because they didn't get certain things at a certain time. But you know what? For the most part, nobody did anything. They had to get arrested. That's what to me is a blessing. That means prayers are working. The prayers of the righteous availeth much. It is amazing how God can do great things for those who will allow the presence of God to be in their life. And, good, and I thank God for the presence of God being with us. Now, I want you to look at something that very a familiar question that I have asked, and I'm sure some of you have asked too, in, verse, in Judges 6 and 13. Gideon said to him, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, Why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. From Gideon's perspective, the Lord had... Oh, excuse me, look back. I'm sorry, I skipped something. Gideon asked a question some of us have asked that it it, is that if the Lord is with us, why has this happened to us. If you ain't live long enough to, until, if God is with me, why is my money not better? Why is my health not better? If God is with me, why do, am I dealing with all these things attacking my mind on a, on a constant basis? If God is with me, why is it seem like the enemy is in my business or in my home or at my school or at my church? Why is it, if God is with me, why do these things still happen to you? If God, listen, I gave my life to Christ, I've started doing right. As soon as I started doing right, it seemed like everything started to go wrong. If I'm living for God, why has all this happened to me? I thought living with Christ, things will get a whole lot better. But let me say this to you. Even living for Christ, you need to know that things sometimes may get worse. It doesn't mean he's left you or forsake you. It just means sometimes God got to work some stuff out of you in order to get some things to you. Because some of the things in our life sometimes are, are ungodly, and God has to get the ungodliness out in order to get the godly in. So in turn, he can prosper you in every area of our life. So he says, what has happened to me? What, what have I encountered? What's befallen me? What's hit me? What has appo- what's appeared to me? What, why 
are these things happening in our relationships, our finances, our mind, our business, our homes, our schools, our churches? Why has these things happened to us? And if you ain't lived long enough as a Christian, if you have not asked those questions at one point or another, you're doing good. And all of a sudden, you got to spend this much money on getting your, your vehicle fixed. Your things are going well, but you're being challenging your body. Things are going well. You're being challenging your finances. Oh, oh, God. Being a Christian does not exempt you from trouble. Being a Christian, and I need to say that again so everybody can get this, does not exempt you from trouble. And even though uh, Gideon was going to be used as God's minister, as God's servant, it did not exempt him from hiding food from the Midianites. Isn't it sad you got to hide your food in order to eat it? I talk about some of us who hide food around, hide cookies around the house, hide candy bars around the house, and we don't tell nobody. I'm talking about some of us, they really had to hide their food. I'm talking about eat that uh, everyday meal, they had to hide their food. Isn't that sad when you got to hide your everyday food? There's some food I ain't trying to hide. There's some food, if I eat it fine, if I don't eat it fine, I'm all right. You follow me? But there's some, you got to hide all your food, you're in bad trouble. Now, from Gideon's perspective, I want you to know some what Gideon said about this. And from Gideon's perspective, the Lord had forsaken them and delivered them into the hands of the Midianites. You know, I thought about this. He had forsaken, he had let them along, rejected and abandoned them. He had put them or set them in the hands of the Midianites. To a certain degree, he had. And this what and Gideon was halfway right. He had actually delivered excuse me, forsaken and delivered them into the hands of the Midianites. No matter how vicious and cruel our surroundings may become, the presence of the Lord will keep us through those dark and lonely times just as it did for getting it in Judges 6 and 13. You know, even when you go through rough times, it's good to know the presence of God is with you going through rough times. But when it get dark outside, isn't it good to know that the presence of God is with you? To help give you peace that passes all understanding. When things are going rough in your life, like it was for Gideon, and some of us have dealt, I'm telling you, there's some people in the sanctuary that are dealing with some real problems right now. But it's good to know that the presence of God is with you with those, in those real problems. And I like this about Gideon. Even in the midst of what Gideon was going through, he did not even realize God was keeping him while the Midianites had them in bondage. And we need to know this, that even in the midst of what we're dealing with, God is keeping us in the middle of our trouble. The presence of God will keep you in the midst when you're dealing with financial issues, challenges in your body, challenges in your mind. You're not thinking right or not talking right. The presence of God will keep you while you get your act together. It's good to know that God will keep you together while you while you're getting things together in your life. That means I'm going, I'm going through a rough trial, but the presence of God is keeping me while I'm going through this rough trial. And one thing I can say this about Gideon, I don't know if Gideon realized or not, I do not think Gideon understood he was being kept while dealing with the Midianites, just like sometimes we don't understand just how much God keeps us in the midst of our trouble. Because sometimes we're so busy blaming folks for trouble that sometimes we miss the fact that God is keeping us in trouble. When, when money get funny, God kept you through that challenging challenge with your money. When your body was going, when body was going through, listen, God kept you while your body was going through. God will keep us while we're dealing with life trouble. Good God Almighty, boy, that's good news right there. That means that's why I love this because when God told, excuse me, the angel told Gideon, "Hey, I'm with you. I won't leave you. I'm, I'm there with you." Even in the midst of his trouble. God was still keeping Gideon. I love that because that means when I get in trouble, God will keep him in the middle of my trouble. Well, that's a rainbow word for somebody in this sanctuary. If you're dealing with trouble right now, don't worry. Trouble can't get the best of you because God was keeping you in the midst of your trouble. That's a rainbow for somebody right now that you're dealing with some challenging your life, challenging your body, challenging your finances. But God is keeping you in the midst of your trouble, keeping you in the midst of your financial trial, keeping you in the midst of your body hurting, keeping you in the midst of anger, anger and pride and jealousy and dealing with those folks at your school, your rent situation, your mortgage situation. God is keeping all of us in this sanctuary. Woo. 
And they get to know God will never leave you nor forsake you. That Listen, even in the midst of what Gillian was dealing with, God was still keeping him. I know it wasn't easy. Well, you got to, listen, hide just to cook your own, cook you some Roman noodles. You got to hide the Roman noodles. It, it, it's not about some fancy meals. This was just everyday meals he had to survive. But God kept him with them everyday meals he had to survive with. And God is keeping us too. And, and ministers have to remind us that God is keeping us too. The angel of the Lord. Now, let's go on a little bit further because I, I, I want you to notice something that happened in verse 14. This was this almost blew me away last night. I'll be honest, with, oh, Friday night, whatever I was studying. Judges 6 and 14. And it caught me because it says this, then the Lord turned to him. Now, I thought he was talking to the angel at first. But I noticed something. The Lord was in the midst of getting his conversation at this time. So it wasn't just the angel that was there. It was the Lord and an angel that was talking to Gideon. And you notice that the angel could only talk when the Lord allowed the angel to talk. Now, the Lord said, hold on. Angel, I finna start talking to Gideon now. Now, notice the text says, the text says that the Lord turned to him. So that means that, at the, at, at, see, in order for me to turn towards you, I've got to have my back towards you. I can't turn to you if, my, if I'm facing you, if I'm already facing you. I've got to have my back turned to you. One thing that this reminded me of, when you repent to God, God can turn towards you. God can turn towards you. When Gideon repented, when Gideon, when, when Lord, see the Lord stepped in and said, hey, the Lord turned toward Gideon. Just like he turned toward the children of Israel because they were going through a rough trial. He turned toward them. He looked he, to go back toward him, indicating he was there the whole time. Because that means if he was there, the angel was there, now the Lord can take over the conversation. So no longer is it the angel that's trying to talk to God. The Lord trying to have a conversation with Gideon. Ooh-wee. Now things been to heat up a little bit. I say heat up, but it's going to take a turn. And let me say, finna go to that next level. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours. And you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? I want you to notice how it turned. Because there's no way an angel would have knew that Gideon had might that belonged to him. What you notice what it says here? Go in this might of yours. It belonged to Gideon the whole time. Angel wouldn't have knew that unless God revealed it to him. But God knew it. You know why God knew it? He put it there. That's what the Bible says. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. God knows exactly what he put in you. God knows exactly the anointing that's on your life. God knows exactly the power. Notice he says the might, the strength, the power, and the ability that belongs to you already. And when you go, you're going to save Israel from the pan of the Midianites. You're going to deliver them. You're going to cause them to be victorious. And you're going to, listen, they might have power, but your power is going to be greater because I put the greater one on the inside of you. That's why I pick it up in the book, in the New Testament. It says, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. God has put something great on the inside of each and every one of us. There's some people in this sanctuary. You don't realize how great, how great your God is in you. That's why he said, I'm doing exceedingly abundantly above anything that God may want to think according to the power that worketh in us. There's something working in us that is greater than the enemy that's out there. Oh, the enemy, listen, the enemy's real. Do you know the Midianites were real? This was not a figment of Gideon's imagination. The Midianites are real. Your enemies are real. There's a devil out there that don't like you. The Bible said he come to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said you came, but we came that you might have life and more abundantly. God came to give us abundant life. 
Can I be real with y'all in the sanctuary? Not everybody want to see you succeed. Don't you ever be, oh, I want everybody to like me. I want everybody to think that I'm wonderful. I want everybody to think, you might get over that. Just go ahead and leave that at the altar and then move on with your life and say, you know what? I'm not doing it for the people. I'm doing it for God. Can I be real with some of y'all? Even some of your own family don't want to see you succeed secretly. Some of your own family don't want to see you be successful and be in good health even as the Lord prosper you. Because some people are just dependent upon you and they want you to do for them more than you want to do for yourself. They want you to use you. But God is saying, listen, I put something on the inside of you. The Lord knew what he had put inside of Gideon. He knew exactly what he had put inside of Gideon. And so once they repented, just like they did in Judges 6 and 6, and he turned toward them again, he said, listen, I put something, I put some strength, some power and ability, and it's yours, Gideon. That's why the Bible says in the New Testament, the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. You are empowered and you are equipped as believers. And now the Lord, not the angels, knew how Gideon had his own strength, power, and ability because he gave it to him. He knows what he put on the inside of us, for we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Listen, can I be real with y'all? Even me as your pastor, I do not know all the things that are in you. Because God does not show it to me, but God knows what's exactly what he put inside of you. Listen, I, every time I pray and ask God to do something great for you, he's stirring up. That's why he says stir up the gift of God that's on the inside of you. There's something going on in you right now that guys have not seen nor ears heard nor the end of the heart of man for those that love him. But I'll tell you, God is doing something great on the inside of each one of us in this sanctuary. Oh, it's good to be in the house of God. That's why and when you're in here, you don't really know what, everything God got for you. Oh, can you imagine if you were just... And see, we, oh, thank you, Lord. I'm sorry. Two or three thoughts came to my head. Let me give, give you one of them. We know this for our children because we send them to school and we expect them to go from the second grade to the third grade, third grade to the fourth grade, fourth grade, and so on. Are y'all following me? What, how much more should God expect more from us? He expects for us to go from glory to glory, from one, from one, from immaturity to maturity, from poverty to, amen to prosperity, from sickness to being in good health, even as our soul prospers. God expects more out of us as we go on in this Christian journey. Now, let's go on to verse 14. Let's go back to uh, Judges 6 and 14. Whew, we're getting close to the end, y'all. Hold on just a few more minutes. Then the Lord turned to him, go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? Who else? The angel couldn't send Gideon out. But God could. Angel, only, angel can only do what God tell him to do. Angel in the term, in the text, means messenger. He just a messenger. Who's messenger? God's messenger. And see, as a servant of God, you got to know you're being sent by God. You got to know that God has sent me to this particular assignment. This thing that I'm doing, I, it's from God. I know God has sent me to this. And when he sends you, he's going to not only send you, God does not send you alone. God does not send you alone. He sends his anointing with you. He sends the power with you. He sends his love with you. He sends everything that you need with you. See, God not like some other folks. God, they'll just send you, I'm going to tell you, they'll give you a little bit and tell you to go on about your business. You ever had somebody t- uh, give you $5 for a $100 trip? Oh, y'all ain't lived long enough yet. Hallelujah. <laughs> but when God send you, he's going to send you with more than enough. When he send you, he's not going to send you just with just barely enough. He's going to send you with the angels. He's going to send you. And in this case, they they had 300 that he, they went with him. He not, They sent him with the anointing. They sent him with might. They sent him with power. He just didn't go by himself. He was sent. Good God Almighty. And what sent means to direct. When God sent someone, he's not, he's not only endorsing that person, but God sends help. He sends strength along with whoever he wants to send with you. Basically what it comes down to, if I was to go right now, and God told me that I need to go into that kitchen right there, 
Not only would he send me, he would send this brother, he would send this brother, he would send this brother, he would send all of us into that kitchen. And it wouldn't just be me by myself, he would send all of us in there. Are y'all following me now? And see, when God sends you, he's not going to send you unequipped. He's not going to send you not being anointed. He's not going to send you without the necessary tools that you need in order to be successful. That's why when they went, he said, I'm sent. Listen, you got too many folks with you when you're going. They started out with 32,000. Long story short, they ended up with 300. Isn't that like God? You start out with $32,000 and all of a sudden he said, you got too much money. He's like, what you mean I got too much money? And he'll prove it to you because he'll bring you down to about 300. And then you'll be more successful with the 300 than you were with the 32,000. Oh, y'all are here, man. You got to hear what I'm saying right now. You'll be more successful with the 300 than the 32,000. Because God is with you. But you can go in there with that 32,000, but you'll leave the anointing with you. You'll leave angels with you. You'll leave grace with you. You'll leave mercy with you. And you'll be jacked up. You got 32,000. And you'll come back broke, busted, and disgusted. Because you will lose the battle. Y'all seen the text? He sent him. And when God sends you, he's going to send you with the right way. Oh, God. Somebody say, thank you for sending me, God. Judges 6 and 15. So he said to him, oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my father's house. I'm the weakest person you ask him to go. Get him again to look at his connections. Look at who he's connected to, brought together with, associated with to such as his clan, his family, his possessions. And, and, his own, and his own natural ability. Basically, long story short, when he looked at who he was connected to in the natural, who he was uh, brought together with and associated with in his own family and possessions, he said, ain't nowhere in the world we can defeat this army of the Midianites. Ain't nowhere in the world. And you know what? I agree with Gideon, too. There's nowhere in the world we could do what we do, being connected to the wrong people. You got to be connected to the right folks. Yeah, let me tell you something. Well, I talked about this earlier. There's no way in the world being connected to some unbelievers, folks that talking negative. This past summer, we could have did what we did to the 400 some students this summer. You got to be connected to the right people. And this is what happened with Gideon. Gideon said, hey, my connections, I'm going to put it in modern day terminology, jacked up. They are jacked up. They don't think right, they don't talk right, and they sure don't act right. And I'm the least in all of these folks right here. Gideon was looking at himself, how in the world can I do all of this? But Gideon was looking at the wrong connection. See, that's why ministers who are divinely connected, they're going to get the victory. Because they're not looking at who they connected to. They're looking at who God connects them with. They're looking at a connection that will give them victory in every area of their life. Cause their marriage to be better. Cause their job situation to be better. Cause their mind to be better. Cause the things in their life to be better. Listen, I need to be connected to people who are praying. I need to be connected to people who believe that God is still moving upon the prayers of the righteous. I need to be with people who still believe that, amen, that God is still doing a doing miracles in the church today. I don't need to be around with folks, amen, that say, you know what, I don't know if God can still do that or not. Man, I don't need to be with you. Because I need that God can do exceedingly, abundantly, above anything I ask or think. Listen, if I can do it, I, I don't need God. But I know if I can't do it, I need a God that can, is sure enough able to do it. I need God to be able to move on the king's hand and heart and turn it any which way he can. I need to be in a situation that I'm connected with, with like-minded believers, that when we say two or three are gathered together in my name, that will be in the midst. I don't need a, a crowd when I've got you and God. Started out with 32,000, ended up with 300. You know there had to be a God that did all of that. Oh, you can't be connected. See, that's why Gideon's had to get rid of some of his connections. Because some of his connection, oh, 20, uh, 20, how many is that? When you got 32,000 and you end up with 300, 
31,700 gone. Now, how many can look at your account one day and 32,000 and God said, you got too much money? Well, I'll, I'll, you must be looking at the wrong account, God, because <laughs> have you seen my bills lately? And then God said, you got too much. And then, then when he leave you with 300, he said, now you got enough. I said, God, you must be still looking at the wrong account. <laughs> you follow me now? You must be looking at the wrong account. But that's not what God said. Now you got the right connections. See, them 300 represented the right connections. That's why when you're divinely connected to the right minister, such as Gideon here, such as uh, the one who was going to give the victory, you're going to get the victory. When you connect to the right minister, God's going to give us the victory. He's going to give us the victory. Notice how he does it, though. I'm going to read, go to my last verse. That's why I thank God for divinely connected ministers. Connected to the right minister would definitely give us the victory. Verse 16, Judges 6 and 16. And the Lord said to him, surely I will be with you. Notice the connection. He's connected to God first. Remember, it was the angel that he was talking to. Now, the Lord has taken over the conversation. And so when the Lord took over the conversation, he was now connected to the Lord. And if God be for you, who can be against you? Oh, let me say that one more time to two or three people in the sanctuary. If God is for you, who can be against you? Notice who was with him. It was no longer the angel that was with Gideon. Remember, the angel started talking to Gideon, but the Lord said, hey, I'm turning and getting in this conversation. He got in that conversation, and now he says, I'm with you. Now, you know what? Angel can kill a bunch of folks. But can you imagine God sitting in that conversation? Who can defeat God? I mean, who can defeat God? You remember when, when, when Satan Lucifer tried to take over heaven. God didn't get in the fight. You know what he did? He sent Michael and his angels, and they kicked out a third of the stars of heaven. Basically, a third of the angels got whooped and kicked out of heaven. They got the boot, y'all. God didn't even get in the fight. Can you imagine if God would have gotten in that fight? He didn't need Michael. He don't need Gabriel, the messenger angel. He don't need nobody because he God all by himself. You know what, why I think he gave, I think why, you know why he got in that, he allowed Michael to do it? Because if he'd have gotten that fight, there'd have been no more demons, no more fallen angels. They'd have been gone. God would have wiped them out. That's just my opinion now. I ain't seen it, but you think about it. If Michael whooped and kicked out a third of them, can you imagine if God would have gotten that fight? But now you see the Lord, he said, listen, I'm with you, Gideon. And that's why every minister needs to know, I'm with you. I'm with you. Whatever you get ready to face in life, whether it's your finances, whether it's dealing with your children, whether it's your business, whether it's your home, whether it's your school, whether it's your church, whatever you get ready to deal with, I'm with you. I'm with you. And it's good to know that God is with us. How many thank God that God is with you? Yes, yes, yes. Let me me say, that's why the presence of the Lord is so important in our lives. You know, when you go go riding down the road, you need the presence of the Lord with you. When you are at your home, you need the presence of the Lord with you. When you are at your school or work or business, wherever you may be, you need the presence of the Lord with you. Sometimes we can play music and the presence of the Lord will just manifest itself. But again, what we say earlier, you may not always feel them goosebumps coming up the back of your leg. You just got to trust God that he's with you. And he says here in the latter part of, let me read my last statement to you. Sorry about that. Here we go. The supernatural connection was explained by the Lord in, the, in Judges 6 and 16, what we just read. When he told Gideon, he will be with him, and he shall defeat the Midianites, conquer them, beat them, and slay them as one man. Each 
not divided, not separate, but divinely connected as one man. Notice how he said he called it one man, but one man included Gideon. It included the Lord. It included everything that they possess. It also included the 300. Now, I remember for those who know the story, he started out with 32,000. He said he connected too many. Now you need to get down to 300. He got down to 300, but those 300 went to fight. The 300 went to fight. Now he's connected with the right people. It wasn't a regular connection. It was a divine connection. That means God was in charge of it. But he said you're going to be one man, one unit, one champion. And and this definition, when I read it, I thought was most appropriate. One servant. One servant. Remember our definition of a minister? A servant. But a servant just can't be all over the place serving how he wants, he or she wants to serve. They got to be one. They got to be one. We got to be one servant. One servant. Remember our definition of minister? A servant. But you can't be all over the place. You got to do it like God wants it done. You got to do it like God wants it done. So not only was it the Lord and Gideon and the 300 and everything they possessed, but they did it as a unit. They did it as a a servant, one servant. The divine connection with the Lord, Gideon, and those the Lord would bring later, was going to conquer the Midianites as one unit. Y'all get it? Anybody understand? Well, that's that's powerful stuff right now. I pray that you got it. Put in your spirit today. Thank you so much for listening to today's message. Please subscribe to our podcast. And if you're ever in the Villarica area, you can visit us at 3193 South Van Wert Road in Villarica, Georgia on Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 7. You can also reach us at 770-459-6221. That's 770-459-OCC1. Follow us on Facebook at Overcomers Christian Center and visit us online at occvr.org. We pray that you're empowered and equipped in today's world.